Last week we started a, a little mini-series, we're calling it Guardrails, and we're still in, in Luke, still true story, but we're calling this Guardrails. Five weeks looking at Luke chapter 12, um, Guardrails, things that we need to guard our lives against. And uh, as is often the case with Jesus, Jesus does not start in the shallow end, does he? <laughs> no, he jumped right in and talked about hypocrisy first week. So how would you follow up that? If you're Jesus and you're talking about hypocrisy the first week, then you would want to follow that up with a really light topic. No, you would follow that up with greed, right? So this morning, huh, week two, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about greed. Um, and once, here's something you've got to understand this. So we're going to be in, in verse 13, verses 13 through 21. But when Jesus was actually speaking, he covered in one sitting what we're going to cover in two. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into next week. Just so you can kind of see how this all goes together, the context of where we are. Last week, we talked about hypocrisy. We need to guard our lives against hypocrisy. Um, and, and then this week, he's going to start talking about money, okay? So he's going to talk about two things that have to do with money, and we can relate to both of them. This morning, we're going to talk about greed. And then next week, we're going to talk about anxiety. Now, <laughs> follow the way this works, Okay. You're sitting there, and you're listening to Jesus, and he's teaching, and he says what we're going to read today, which is basically, don't be greedy. Trust me with your resources. And if you were, just follow me, if you were to open your hands and trust God with your resources, you would more than likely begin to feel some anxiety. See how that works? Okay? And so we're, I'm just letting you know, Today we're doing part one, and then next week we'll talk about anxiety, but the people that heard Jesus, they, they heard it all at one time, okay? So just kind of know where this goes and, and how that's all fitting together. Let's, let's see if we can talk through a couple things. Like, number one, what is greed? What is greed? Webster's. Webster says this, that greed is a selfish and excessive desire for more of something than is needed. That's a lengthy definition. Let's see if we can make it even shorter and make it rhyme. Greed wants more than we need. Okay, that's just a really simple definition of what greed is. Greed wants more than we need. Okay, that's what, so when Jesus talks about greed, when he says we need to be on guard against greed, that's what he's talking about. Okay. Wanting more than we need. Now, the second question we need to figure out is why in the world is Jesus talking about greed? I mean, how does greed even relate to hypocrisy? Well, we find out in, in verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So Jesus has just talked about hypocrisy, and then someone, an unnamed person, assuming it's a guy, he Blurts out, make my brother give me my inheritance. Make him divide it with me. Now, we don't know the backstory of this guy. We read into that, oh, well, he must be selfish because Jesus talks about greed. All we, all we know, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, is that he's been sitting there listening to Jesus teach on hypocrisy, and the whole time he's thinking, this teacher, like, knows his stuff. We know from Scripture that Jesus taught with authority like other people didn't teach with authority. And so I'm going to say that this man's listened to Jesus talk, and he realizes if Jesus is this smart about what he's talking about, surely this man can help me with my problem. And so he just blurts out, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay? So that's on the surface level, nothing necessarily wrong with that. 
But the fact that Jesus would take that opportunity to then teach what we're going to read over the next few verses about greed would say this, that Jesus who knows the heart probably knew there was a motive behind the question, right? You ever had somebody ask you a question and you're like, you're not really asking me the question you want to ask me. So Jesus kind of saw a little bit deeper into this guy's situation and he took the opportunity to talk about greed. That's why Jesus is talking about it here. It was something, some reason that Jesus felt the need to discuss greed. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to read these verses. Jesus tells them a parable. And then um, I'm going to give you two guardrails, okay? Two guardrails that will help us guard ourselves against greed. Now, before we read this, let me just recap again. What guardrails are, their purpose, why we have them. Because some of you, even this past week in community group, may have been having these discussions and going, wait, are you saying that I'm a hypocrite? No, what we talked about last week was that Jesus wants us to put guardrails up in our lives so that when we start to bump up against them, we would go, oh, I'm on the way to hypocrisy, but Jesus has graciously given me the chance to correct that. So this morning as we talk about greed, we we joke all the time in church, anytime you talk about money, people do two things. Well, first they do this, right? (laughs) They grab that wallet, purse comes closer, and they just put a wall up like, oh, you're after my money. No, 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 no. Jesus is always after the heart okay he's always after the heart and this morning no one's saying you're greedy Jesus didn't even say that he just said look watch out for these guardrails I'm gonna give you two and when you bump up against them it's not so that you can go oh this is what Paul was talking about I am greedy no we're on the way to greed and God has graciously given us warnings to correct us okay does that make sense that's what guardrails are for all right so let's just read these verses this morning and then we'll talk through the guardrails Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, the crowd, his disciples, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But... This is the big but. We talk about that. There's big buts in the Bible, right? This is the big one. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with anyone. Everybody say anyone. Anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. All right. So let's do, let's do these, these guardrails. Guardrail one. Let's just start with the obvious. We fear scarcity. I think it's going to be up here because I didn't know how to spell scarcity, and I thought you might not either, so we put it up there for you. We fear scarcity. We fear scarcity. Um, listen, scarcity, we need to make sure we understand what scarcity is. I think we have a picture. Do we have a picture of scarcity? This is scarcity. You've seen this. Scarcity is going to get milk and bread when they call for flurries, right? That's scarcity. When there's not enough. Now, I want to make sure that you hear me say, we live in a world of scarcity. 
Okay? Sin caused that. Things run out. Have you noticed that? Um, Annie, I don't know who does the laundry in your family, but have you noticed that underwear gets holes in it? Clothes get holes in it? I just started fights over laundry, I know. Um, you lose socks. I mean, things run out. I don't know who pays the bills in your family, but have you ever noticed that sometimes money runs out before bills do? We live in a world of scarcity, okay? Nobody's denying that. The guardrail is not scarcity. The guardrail is the fear of scarcity. We begin to fear scarcity. This, this rich man, what you've got to see about him, we've got to understand this, is that he was rich. He already had what he needed. And, and he's not a fool, is he? Jesus didn't say there was a rich fool. He said there was a rich man. The ground of a rich man produced a great crop. So he already had. He wasn't even in scarcity, right? But he began to fear scarcity. Jesus said that he was making a point about the dangers of the abundance of possessions. About not letting our possessions possess us so here's a man who already has enough but he didn't think that he had enough now some of you right now have checked out and here's why because you're like I have scarcity (laughs) I cannot relate to this man who had more than enough and built bigger barns because he then had more than enough right but even if you don't have an abundance you can still fear scarcity. You can still fear, what, what if I never get more? What if I never have enough? He's got enough. He doesn't think he has enough. And that makes him like every American that has ever lived. Here's how I know. If I were to ask you this one question, how much more money would you need to feel secure? Everybody would have the same answer. More than I have now. You might not have a dollar figure, but it would be more than I have now. And that would be true no matter if you have $100 now or a million. We always feel like I just need a little, if I could just get a little more, I would be secure. And that's what this man is struggling with. What do I do with all this extra that I don't even really need? And Jesus says that's greed. Because Jesus is teaching a parable, warning them against greed. And he says, so listen, when you begin to fear scarcity, like, oh no, what if I don't have enough? That's a guardrail that you have begun to trust yourself and not the God who gives all things. Scarcity is rooted in fear. And we can relate to that. The reason that storage is such a big business in our culture, it's a billion-dollar business a year. It's because we store things that we never use for fear that if we got rid of them, someday we would need them. If your house is like my house, you have things in storage containers that you haven't looked at for years. And yet somehow if I got rid of it, my life would be missing something. And someday when you do actually look at those things, you will throw them away. You'll be like, why did I keep this? 
Because we have a fear of running out of even things that we don't need. We begin to fear scarcity. I was, as I was reading, preparing for this message, I found this story. It's a perfect illustration. There was a financial advisor, and he was, it's a true story. He's meeting with the client, and they're in, it's an 80-year-old couple. And they're, they're in their 80s. And they're worth $20 million. Um, is, is this one of y'all's grandparents? Anybody? <laughs> Would they like to make a donation? No, I'm kidding. So $20 million. They're worth $20 million, and, they're, and, they're in the, and they are in their 80s. And so this financial advisor is kind of relating, like, what he learned as he was talking to them. And so he's helping them. He's advising them on things you can do with your money to lower your taxes. That's smart, right? Things you can do with your money to, like, set yourself up and set up people in your family. And, and, and they're, when they get it all said and done, perfect plan. They're getting ready to start making the donations to nonprofits, he said, you are in a position where you can give more than you ever dreamed possible. And they were super pumped about it until they got ready to make the first donation. And the wife looked at the husband and said, but what if I get a terminal illness? And the financial advisor said that one statement changed the entire conversation. Suddenly, an 80-year-old couple worth $20 million dollars was worried about something that had not happened and may never happen, and it was causing him to do this, pull it all in. What you need to understand is that is what it looks like to fear scarcity. I'm not making light of terminal illnesses or anything like that. I'm just saying that's fearing scarcity. When you have more than enough and you feel like you can't let any of it go because you might run out somewhere down the road, and that's fear. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. The rich man, listen, he turned inward. Verses 17, 18, and 19. Ten times in those verses, ten times he used personal pronouns. I, mine, me, right? Because I've got this crop and I've already got more than enough and my barns are full. But I just got a bigger crop and I'm going to tear down the already full barns and build bigger barns that will then be full. Because it's mine and it's my life. And I will say to myself, you have all that you need and I will take it easy. He feared running out. And when we fear running out, we'll never have the freedom to let it go. Listen, let me say that again. When we fear running out, we will never have the freedom to let go. Greed. Greed feels like it never has enough. And so even if we have enough, we can begin to fear potential scarcity. And, and then, listen, just so you know, there was this amazing philosopher in our culture, amazing philosopher. And he, he would write down philosophy and people would listen to it and go, that's exactly how I feel. And he wrote... Um, we're going to play it for you in just a second. If you go ahead and get this ready. He wrote an amazing insight into what happens when we live in fear of scarcity. Can we, we got that? Let's go ahead and play that. You're trying not to sing, but it's okay if you want to.
So, um, I know, you're just, it's like, oh, back to Paul preaching again. Man, how do I compete with Bon Jovi, right? Um, now, I know most people don't know the story behind songs or anything like that. You just know the chorus, right? You just, you were waiting to get that at one part and belt it out. But that whole song is about people that don't have enough money. Working hard, they don't have enough. And so their response to what they not have enough is, let's hold on to what we've got. And that's what Jesus is talking about. I mean, he didn't have Bon Jovi necessarily in mind when he said it, but he's saying guard against that. Guard against this fear that I can't open up my resources because I've got to hold on to what I've got. Because it's all up to me and you. And we're just going to live on a prayer. Baby, as long as we got each other, we'll make it to the end, I swear. Hold on to what we've got. That is greed. That is the result of a fear of scarcity. We begin to hold on to what we have. We can't let it go. And if we fear scarcity and if we hold on to what we've got so tightly, what's going to happen is we're going to crash through guardrail number one and we're going to go into guardrail number two. And here's guardrail number two. It happened to this man. We know at the end of this parable, what did God say? You fool. You fool, tonight, this very night, your life will be required of you. And then Jesus said, it's not just about that man. He said, look, this is how it's going to be for anyone. Remember we said anyone, that's us. For anyone who takes care of themselves but is not rich toward God. So the guardrail number one, we fear scarcity. Guardrail number two, we forget eternity. We, we forget eternity. We, we begin to think that somehow this life is all that matters. And so here's what happens. We base every decision on 78.94 years. That's the average lifespan in America. Every decision we make is based on how it will affect 78.94 years. Now, listen, there's all kinds of people that try to do all kinds of things to help us grasp how small our lives are compared to eternity, and I'm going to give it a shot, okay? Try to give you some kind of a mental picture. There are 321 million people that live in America. Now, eternity is forever, right? So, I mean, even 321 is an end. Eternity is forever. I can't even picture 321 million, right? So let's just say instead of people, that it's 321 ounces. 321 million ounces is how much it would take to fill four Olympic-sized swimming pools. Okay? So just picture the Olympics. you got like eight, ten people swimming. That huge thing times four is 321 million ounces. Now, if that represented eternity, 78.94 years, 78.94 ounces, is a two-liter bottle of Coke. So you take a two-liter bottle of Coke, put it in the middle of four filled Olympic-sized swimming pools, and that's your life compared to eternity. And we guzzle it down just like that. We don't ever think about anything else. This rich man became a rich fool because he forgot eternity. I have all I need for 78.94 years, and I will sit back and I will take it easy. And to hell with everybody else. Because he forgot eternity. And he did not see his resources as an avenue that God could reach other people with the reality of eternity. I'll just sit back and take it easy. 
Man, when we forget eternity, we are so close to going over the cliff into greed. When we put our focus on what is least valuable, we often end up what's losing what's most valuable. It's a terrible way to think of it, but it's so true in our culture. A spouse who is so focused on their career comes home to find their spouse gone. They focused on what was least valuable in comparison to a family and lost what was most valuable. We focus on a two-liter bottle and we miss four Olympic-sized swimming pools of reality. We forget eternity. This man lost sight of what matters most. And the Bible says that God has set eternity in our hearts. We would be wise to live with forever in mind. Not just for our eternal sake, but for the eternal purpose of God. Listen, God has a purpose, and it is eternal. And he wants to use your two-liter life to work his eternal for Olympic and pool purpose. And everything that happens in our life, he wants to use it for his eternal purposes. A couple of verses to jot down. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 6 and verses 11. In, in Ephesians chapter 3, if you read that whole chapter, you'll find Paul talking about this mystery, this purpose of God. What's the purpose of God? What's this mystery? And the mystery and the purpose of God is that Gentiles will be brought into the family of God. Now, unless you're a full-blooded Jew, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. And so the mystery of the gospel is that God wanted people who were different to be brought into the same family. That's his eternal purpose. And in Romans 8, 28, that verse that we always quote when things go wrong in our lives, right? And it's a good one to quote. It says, for I'm convinced that God works all things together for the good of those who are called does anybody know what it says after that? Of course not, because we focus on that part, right? Because that's good for us. But it says who are called according to his purpose. You know why you're called and I'm called? So that through our lives, he can work the eternal purpose that he has, which is that Gentiles, outsiders, would be brought into the family of God. So let's bring it all back to greed, right? <sighs> you're going to start throwing stuff at me. I just feel it. Everything in our lives, every possession we have, the American lie is that it's for us. But the eternal truth is that it was given to us by God, a good father who gives liberally all things. We'll read, that, we'll read that verse in just a second. He gave it to us so that we could open our hands and say, I've got all I need. And anything above that, God's not calling me to write a check to the poor. He's not calling me to write a check to the church. He's just calling me to do one simple thing that's really not that simple. What do you want me to do with it, God? How would you like to use my resources to achieve your eternal purpose? Because I know that even in my finances, even in my resources, in my possessions, you're using all these things according to my good for my good according to your purpose. And so my good will be found in achieving your purpose in the world. So how can I use what you've given me, God? And, and when he blesses you with 
we don't have like abundance of crops unless you're a farmer. There's not a lot of farming going on anymore. But usually abundance of crops would be stuff like this. I thought I was going to have to pay taxes, but I got a refund. Right? I thought I was going to have to pay for college, but we got scholarships. I don't know how I won the lottery, but I won the lottery. I didn't even buy a ticket. It was on the ground. I picked it up, and it was the winning ticket. I got a, I, I got a raise. I, got a, I sold my car. I, I paid off my car. I, whatever. I mean, these are the way that we experience crops of abundance. And typically in America, I'm not talking about you, but just typically in America, what happens is whatever excess comes in, we've almost already spent it on us and God would say this you fool tonight tonight your life will be required and then who will get what you have worked so hard to get for yourself not saying that any of us are in that place right because we're talking about guardrails so when we fear scarcity oh if I gave that away what if I run out down the road Okay, that's a real fear. It's legitimate. That's a guardrail to greed. Or if we just, it's all for me. It's, it's what I'm, I'm going to use it right now. I can and I will. We have forgotten eternity. There's an eternal purpose that God wants to work through our possessions. And we forget eternity. Then we forget that even the abundance in our lives has a purpose. And we have a Father who gives us good things to enjoy and to share. Um, 1 Timothy It's a really good, really good scripture, just to bring some, some levity to what we're talking about. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17, 18, and 19. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's closing out his letter, and here's what he says. This is really good. Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, I know that a lot of us go, well, I'm not rich in this present world. Um, listen, besides the fact that we know we're rich because we have Jesus, he's talking about money here. You'll see that from the context um, we live in America. I know we have American bills, but in America, we are the rich of the world. Okay? So, different levels for sure, but we are. So, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And here's the God you're putting your hope in, who richly provides us with everything. Everybody say everything. everything. For our what? enjoyment it's good to enjoy the things that God gives to us command them to do good to be rich in good deeds to be generous and willing to share and in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life so the way that we take hold of the true life because this man thought that he was taking hold of true life, right? He's like, I've got, man, I've got all I need, and I just got more. Party! Tear down the barns, build bigger barns. I'm going to sit back, take it easy, and enjoy this life. But he didn't find the true life. That's not the true life. The true life is I've got more than I need, and God's given me even more than I need because somebody somewhere needs the more that I have. And it might be somebody in my family. I don't know. It could be me. God could know that something's coming down the road and I need this. But, but my, answer, my, my prayer to God is just like, okay, why? Why have you blessed me with this and what do you want me to do with it? And, man, to live a life like that, 
to understand that, God, you gave me this so I could enjoy it. And now what do you want me to do with it? When we understand that, what you'll find is you will find life. That's true life. That's true life. That's what he wants for us. So um, we can't take hold of that life if we're holding tightly to this life. So how does this play out practically? When we remember eternity, when we remember that we have an abundant God who richly gives us everything for our enjoyment, we can live lives that are free of the fear of scarcity. Because even if we did run out, and how many of you have ever run out? I have. Even when we run out, God richly provides us what we need for our enjoyment. It's who he is. So whether we have a lot or a little, our trust is in the God who provides, not in the things that we possess. Pastors are always looking for, like, ending stories, right? Like, we want to land the plane, and we want it to be a good landing. We want you to remember everything that we talked about. I know you're still, think, you're still humming, um, living on a prayer, so we got that. But I, I stumbled across a story this week. Um, blew my mind. Just blew my mind. Here's, here it is. It's a lady out in California, and she had to pay her state taxes. And she had, she had a cashier's check for $676. Maybe you saw this story. I'm not sure. $676 that she was going to use to pay her state taxes. And when it was time to pay the taxes, she could not find the cashier's check. So she panicked, wouldn't you? <laughs> $676. And so while she's looking for this cashier's check everywhere, she's in her house, she's, she's tearing it up, she's crying. She's like, I've lost this check. I don't know where it is. How am I going to pay my taxes? There's a knock at the door, and she opens it to this man whose name is Sergio. And Sergio says, is this your check? And she said, yeah. He said, well, I found it, and I saw your name and your address on here, so I thought I'd bring it back. Like, you know, cashier's checks, uh, he could have probably found a way to use that, right? So he returns it, and she's like, well, thank you for bringing it back to me. You didn't have to do that. Can I give you something for bringing it back? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't need anything. And she kind of argued with him and argued. And finally, she convinced him to take $40. And he said, oh, this will be so good. This will help. I'm going to go put gas in my car. And so she's like, gas in your car? Like, well, 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 tell me your story. Well, he used to work at a school, and he'd been laid off. And so for a period of time, he and his family were living in a hotel. And, and it, the whole story just blew her mind that, that somebody who desperately needed $676 would return to her what he had found, even though he didn't have to. So she went on. GoFundMe and started a campaign called We Rise by Lifting Others and said, here's a family that probably could have used the money, but they did the right thing. I don't know. Give them something. And in 10 days, they've raised $20,000. I know what you're thinking. I'm going to return checks from now on. <laughs> the point here is that whether Sergio knows Jesus or not, he understands what we're talking about now. If he was given to greed, he'd have found a way to keep that because he actually really needs it. But because he said, no, I'm going to do the right thing, and that's world talk for what we would say. We're going to trust a God who richly provides us with all that we need for our enjoyment. And because I can trust him, even though I feel like I need this, I'm going to return it because he's going to take care of me. And because he did that, $20,000 in 10 days from total strangers. Now, if 
if a woman in California can start a GoFundMe page and raise that kind of money for a man in California and neither of them may not even love Jesus, do you think that your Heavenly Father can take care of you? I'm going to say yes, that he can. That if we would simply open our hands and say, God, what you have richly blessed me with, I'm going to give it to you. Do what you want with it. That he will take care of us. Here's your big idea. And it's going to sound harsh. That's why I'm doing it at the end. Because I want to make sure you heard all that before I gave it to you. Okay? Because I don't like to use words like never, always, impossible. But this time we're going to use it. It is impossible to be greedy and godly. It is impossible to be greedy and and godly because God so loved the world that he gave God's very character is giving giving generous generous we just read it in in first Timothy that our God who richly provides all that we need for our enjoyment like he's just giving it and giving it and giving it and it's impossible to be greedy and godly Greediness does not look good on the church, right? It's not good. So greediness is marked by, I mean, godliness is marked by contentment. And contentment leads to hands that are open. Greediness is marked by fear. And fear leads to hands that are closed. I want to pray this morning that that God would, would help us be godly, not greedy. Now, one last thing and then we'll pray. All this time we've talked about money because that's what Jesus is talking about, right? But this is about resources. This is about, I mean, it's about your time. It applies to your time. It applies to me. I've been, you know, I'm in this place right now where I'm thinking about graduation all the time because in about a month my sons graduate. This applies to parenting. I can hold on to my sons. You will not leave Albemarle? They'll kill me, right? It'll be on the news. But, but we raise our children to their resources. Our church is a resource. That building, when we get there, when we get there, that building is a resource. It's not the goal. All these things are resources that we have got to just, God, how do you want to use it in my life? I'm an, I, it's yours. Thank you for giving it to me, and I'm giving it right back to you. And so as we pray this morning, I want you to think through that. Where are you greedy with resources? Whatever those resources may be. Well, I, I can't give any time to the church. If I give time to the church, I'll have no time for, and I know we always say family, but usually it's I'll have no time for all the stuff I really want to do. Which may or may not include your family, right? Because I've been guilty of that. Oh, no, I can't do anymore. I need to spend quality time with my family and they play in the big room and I watch TV not quality time with the family right might have needed to take a break but maybe I should have said that right so just think through where where am I fearing scarcity and where am I forgetting eternity when it comes to the things that I possess and how can I get back on the road open my hands and just say to God man thank you for what you've given to me I want to remember you in it and how can you use it to achieve your purposes that make sense all right, so let's, let's do this. Close your eyes. I'll give you just a chance to, to talk to the Lord, and we'll pray, and, and we'll get out of here.
It's a lot to think about this morning, God. And, and honestly, it's, it's a subject we don't like to talk about. We don't like to think of ourselves as greedy. And so I, I want to say first this morning that I'm so thankful that you are the kind of father who would give us these guardrails, these warning signs. Like, I'm giving these to you so you don't become greedy. And so we just are taking a quick inventory of our lives right now just to see, God, where, where do I fear scarcity? It's real. Where am I starting to fear it? And how is it, how is it making my hand begin to close around the things that I'm afraid of losing? And honestly, the only reason, God, that I would ever be afraid of losing it is because I have forgotten eternity. I've forgotten to think that my little two-liter life, while important to me, is just two liters in four Olympic pools of water. So God, this morning I pray that you would remind us of eternity. That you are a God who is achieving an eternal purpose to bring outsiders into your family. And that you want to work things in our lives in such a way that our good would be found by allowing you to use the resources in our lives to achieve that purpose. And so if you're here this morning and you're just like, you know what, these guardrails are, I'm bumping them and they're hurting. Can we just, can we just take that to the Lord right now? Can you just, would you just repent this morning? Just right where you are. Just ask him to forgive you. And he will. God, we thank you for, for course correction. Thank you that when we start to feel these, these guardrails, God, it just is a sign that we need to rethink where we've allowed you to be when it comes to our resources. And we trust you, God, we trust you. We can trust you because you're trustworthy, you're faithful. And what I love at the end of that parable, God, is that Jesus did not say it was one or the other. What he said was, this is how it will be with everyone who stores up things for themselves and is not also rich toward God. So God, I thank you for those in this room who, who have resources stored up because today their hands will open and you have put them in the perfect position to work through them to achieve your purpose. And so I pray over them the same thing that Paul wrote to Timothy, that they would do good with their money and that they would find contentment in that and that you would be glorified because we chose to be godly and not greedy. In your name, Jesus. Amen.